Welcome back to uh, Curious, series of webinars we're hosting this week in celebration of London Tech Week. I am Rob Jack, I'm a learning designer at Curio, and today I am joined by Dr. Stephen Buckingham. Uh, Stephen, welcome to our webinar. Thank you, nice to be here. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, this is the third uh, of three webinars we're conducting this week to celebrate London Tech Week. On Tuesday, I spoke with Martin Bean of the Bean Centre about badging and, and digital credential networks. Yesterday, I spoke with my colleague uh, Mark Jones about the intersection uh, of technology and strategy in education. And today, I suppose, as universities up and down the UK are returning to teaching, Stephen and I are going to be talking about the high flex mode of teaching uh, which is being adopted by, by many institutions. But before we do that, Stephen, do you just want to introduce yourself and, uh, and tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, Stephen Buckingham. I'm, the, I'm actually the Director of Education at uh, the School of Biological and Behavioural Sciences here at Queen Mary University, London. So my job really is just to steer and manage the educational component of our school, which has um, you know, a few... A couple of thousand students, so it's, it's quite a big job. They keep me busy. Absolutely, very good. Uh, and today, uh, well, how, how are you feeling? That before we before we get into the the nitty gritty, how are you how are you feeling about the the new academic year? Well, we're really excited and apprehensive. Naturally, it's, it's really great to be back. Actually, you know, just to it's been eighteen months for us here in the UK. I know it's been longer elsewhere, so I don't want to rub it in for those of you. <laughs> Uh, not, not in the same situation, but, you know, our campus is, is lively again and staff are able to talk to each other, popping in and out of each other's offices, being careful to maintain the government guidelines. But, you know, what we are allowed to do is, is, is terrific and it's just great to be back again. Fantastic. All right. Um, so today we're discussing HyFlex and, and, and whether HyFlex is, is the technology or a technology, should I say, of the future. Um, but before we get into that, what do we mean by HyFlex? The way I understand it, I think the way the industry understands it, is allowing education to take place on, on campus, face-to-face, -face, if you like, for want of a better terminology, and at the same time, students be able to participate online, but crucially at the same time and without any barriers in between those two cohorts or those two contingents. So it, it's about approaching education so that it really just it becomes divorced from space in a way, but you know, you're exploiting the fact that some of your cohort are face-to-face, -face, so it's not completely you know, blowing space out of the equation, but it, is looking for ways for people, for students to be able to participate in the education in different ways and in different places. I think that's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and what do we know about how, how, how HyFlex came about, as it were? Is it purely a response to the pandemic? Uh, are there other reasons we might... <laughs> I, 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 I think the whole sector is, is in one of those you know, phases of evolution when you know you have mass extinctions and the new species suddenly arise if you forgive uh -huh. me but biological and behavioral sciences kind of answer there <laughs> Thing, things are moving very very quickly i think in in different universities in different parts of the world being forced to do stuff online is not the doing it online it's being forced to rethink your education i think has brought this about and there are some people who have been lurking in the sidelines who wanted this to happen all along because, you know, they, they see what technology can do. Mm -hmm. Now all the gainsayers and the, you know, the, the Luddites, if you like, have, have had, to, had to play along 
Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's opened up, it's just opened up possibilities. It's like wartime. You get lots of inventions during wartime because you suddenly oh. got to do what you thought you should be doing. Uh, and then suddenly now you have to do it to survive. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. where the high flex has come, where people have said, actually, it's not just a solution to a problem. It's probably got its own advantages. And those that wanted to sell it in the first place have suddenly got a platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So Hyflex is is a pedagogy, of course, but it's also a, a technology, I suppose. So what sort of technology do we need if, if we want to follow a, a kind of Hyflex approach? Well, I think, again, speaking from my own university's perspective, I think what you've got to do is kind of take a step back and think about what it is you're trying to achieve, right? Um, so on the one hand, there are, there are strategic problems, you know, physically, how do I do it? So I don't know about you, but, you know, people reached out for their teams, for their Blackboard collaborate, their Zoom, that we yeah. do now, and immediate thought was, well, hang on, can I just do that in my classroom? Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, why can't, why can't I just turn up with, with my laptop, my webcam, and put that on my lecture in front of the students and, and, and go and deliver. If you start from that as a starting point, you pretty much end up with, with high flex because you suddenly realize, actually, wait a minute, I'm able to connect to my online students and I'm able to connect with my, my face-to-face students, but what about the third, that third side of the triangle, if you know what I mean? So how, how can they feel that they're all in the same, in the same space? And so what you need is technology, which, which kind of bridges that. So it's all about um, getting out of the way and, and making the students in their bedrooms feel as much a part of the event as the students that are, that are on campus. So that, that's what your technology has got to do. And that can be, it can be fairly basic, actually. I think what the, the minimum that you need if you're kind of doing this as a DIY kit is a big screen behind you, the lecturer, where what you've got on your, on your Teams or your Zoom or your Collaborate, whatever it is, what, what you're seeing there is on that screen behind you so that the students in the lecture theatre can see the students on, online and they can see their faces, they can see what they're saying, they can see they've got their hand up. And then the students online with an appropriate place camera, which most of us have if we're, you know, we're filming our videos for for access reasons, they can see that as well. So you're creating the illusion of being in the same space. So the technology has got to be able to do that at the very minimum. Uh, and that, I mean, that doesn't need to be very expensive. You know, it's not cheap, but you know, you're talking about a plasma screen that's big enough for people in the hall to be able to see everything. Plus we encourage students to bring their own devices with them so they can, you know, can also connect together. So the whole thing creates like a meltdown of the space really so whatever technology does that i've seen some amazing pictures of you know some universities that have really gone to town on this and had you know curved screens going around the wall you know if you've got a few million to spare my suspicion is they're probably doing that in one lecture theater so the whole world hey hey look at university xyz wow isn't that amazing i'll go and join (laughs) all the other spaces are kind of probably quite pedestrian (laughs) i suspect but yeah, it's finding a thing which works for you and that you can mm-hmm. put together cheaply and, and does the job. I think. Right. And, and can we use HyFlex in lectures and seminars? Is it better suited to kind of large student numbers, small student numbers? Or is it, does that all kind of fall by the well, way? I think that that's a really, really good question. I don't think it's necessarily 
better for one thing rather than another. I think you approach them quite differently. Right? So if you've got, say, a seminar or tutorial with you know, 20, 20 learners, one facilitator or teacher, as we used to call them in the old days, then it, it's easy to involve another 30 or 40 with a couple of screens behind you. And it's quite natural to have a meeting like that. And, you know, you probably don't need much change in your design because you'd say, OK, you know, folks, have you, have you read the paper we're discussing this week? What did you think about, you know, the introduction? Did that, did that make sense to you? And Jane, you're online. What do you think? And then, you know, uh, Imran puts his hand up in the class. And you, it's quite easy to coordinate the two. Where mm -hmm. it's a bit trickier is in the large groups. And this is yeah. what we find is a big challenge because you're hopefully the day of the lecture being the only way of delivering large scale. I hope those days are gone. And most of us will talk to an audience of about two or 300 students. And then we'll say, okay, you know, talk for 20 minutes to review what we've done. Yeah. Break up into groups. Here's a worksheet, and then you kind of you, know, you say, "Work on this for 20 minutes." You wander around and you chat with the students. You know, that's the, that's the way we teach these days, right? Yeah. How do you do that high flex? Mm -hmm. that, that's a challenge. Well, the the obvious way is to say, "Oh, great! You know, Zooms has got breakout rooms. Teams has got breakout rooms. Does it work?" <laughs> that's the problem. You know, what I found, and what a lot of my colleagues have found, is you try to mix around the room you try to pay attention to these breakout groups that in itself is difficult to do because you're naturally drawn to people in the room and if you go online you're ignoring a bunch of students in the room yeah. you need an assistant for you to make this mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. the other thing is you go into the breakout rooms and there's nothing happening you've got three students in a breakout room they're in their off they're in their you know at their desk in their bedroom with strangers they don't know they've suddenly been connected with someone they don't know on zoom it's got to be managed very, very carefully. And that's where yeah. the trick is. It's in the pedagogical design. It's not the technology. The technology is all there. It's the pedagogical design. That's, that, that's where the, the fail of success is. And it requires a teacher who's able to, to move between those spaces and use that, that mix of online face-to-face -face space. And very mm -hmm. few people can do it naturally. And that reminds me of something Mark and I were discussing yesterday, which is, you know, you can use, the, if the technology is there, sure, you can use the technology, but you have to do it in a strategic way. And, and that strategy has to include things like, how are we going to train people on this? How are we yeah. going to help people manage this change and so on? So I think that's a really interesting intersection between. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's where the challenge is actually, is in training people. You know, if we just think about universities, most universities the people who are doing the teaching of the educating, that they, they're also researchers and that they're not hired because they're good at teaching. Let's face it, they're hired probably. Not necessarily. And we want their good research to filter down to the, to the teaching. And, you know, that's quite a significant proportion of people who are doing the educating. I think, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more a need for people who are not necessarily just specialists in, in a research area or in, or in a, academic area but who are specialist teachers who can facilitate the other teachers kind of like Absolutely. brokers between the two i think those are the people that you've got to train up so i don't, honestly don't think it's a lot a lot about the technology yet i think technology's got a place to go but i think the immediate need is, is to change our thinking the pedagogy and perhaps therefore in the future we might see expect to see more and more kind of education stream uh, lecturers rather than the kind of balanced pathway or research only pathway. Yeah, uh, that's, but that's, right. that's another. Yeah, I mean, it's a, 
I think it's increasing in the UK anyway. I don't, I don't know about other places, but you know, teaching and scholarship posts rather than teaching and research posts, I think there's an increasing respect for yeah. teaching, you know, primarily teaching posts as well, which is absolutely. Certainly. And as a learning designer, I certainly champion that, that increase. Okay, great. So um, so we've, we've talked about, you know, that HyFlex might be reasonably uh, accessible in terms of it being uh, easy to implement. Um, but there is, of, co of course, a scale between good and, and bad HyFlex. So what, what does great HyFlex look like for, for students? I, I think great high flex. Well, first of all, it's got this by definition, it's got to have no, neither of the two streams, being there physically and being online, should be obviously better than the other. Otherwise, it's not high flex. You've simply got to fix for a problem in the other stream, if you know what I mean. So you don't want that. I think good high flex will exploit the fact or the, the, the affordances of the technology. So you can start to do things not, not, not the technology enabling you to do things, but giving you more opportunity to do things you couldn't do before. So I think a well-designed HyFlex session would include activities where there's a good complementarity between what's happening in the lecture theater and what's happening online. So the baseline, of course, would be, okay, here's some group activity for the people that are online and the same group activity for the people in the lecture theater. That's, that's fine, that's not bad design, but I think even better is when you say, actually, the online people would be better doing X, face-to-face mm -hmm. -face people would be better doing Y, and then X and Y come together to produce Z yeah. on the stage in it. So people feel that they're contributing differently, but equally, if you see what I mean, to some mm -hmm. process. Yeah. I think that's that's what good high flex design is. And then what will happen is that the students will hopefully be able to identify their strengths and weaknesses and their developmental goals and say, actually, I'm going to join the online contingent because I want to do this kind of thing because I think that's good for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to join the face-to-face -face because this is what I need at the moment, rather than saying, well, face-to-face -face is better, but I'll save myself the bus fare by doing it online. We don't want we don't want that. You know, we want intelligent choices. I think mm -hmm. good design does that. It will open up you know, combinatorial possibilities, if you know what I mean. How to do it? I'm still learning. You know, I've got ideas, but we've only just started this. You know, it, it's it's a big challenge, but I think it's doable. Excellent, and and I suppose uh, that another challenge that that raises, of course, is if students start to think, okay, yeah, well, I'm I am well suited to that online mode, therefore I'll do the online mode all of the time. Well, actually, we kind of want to encourage people to to push themselves, right, and to yeah, not only work yeah. on their strengths but also their weaknesses yeah. too. So yeah, that's right. A challenge might be how to bring people back from from one side to the other. Yeah, and, and maybe that would be another aspect of good high flex design is visible learning you know, and reflective learning. So you, you would finish or you would complement a session, let me put it that way, with opportunities for the students to say, well, what did you learn today? And why was being online helpful for you to achieve that? You know, whether that takes place in the session or in tutorial groups or in pastoral groups, I don't know. But I guess this raises the issue that it's not just high flex on its own. You know, it's how it relates with the rest of the university experience and how it coordinates mm. with that, which is something at, at Queen Mary we're exploring quite a lot at the moment. 
Great. Okay. So we've talked about some of the, the challenges of HyFlex for students. Are there any other significant ones we should consider? Well, the, it, is, it is quite a challenge for students working online. We've noticed that, you know, I know there's going to be a, a big hands up across the audience now when I say, do you have trouble getting your, your, your students to put their video on? online which is crucial if, if i see if i see a wall of faces i can see who's listening i can see that if i see a load of initials which is what i get with teams you know it's like with zoom it's almost like they're not there and so yeah. i'm sure everyone's found this you know, guys would you please put your camera on nobody will do it mm -hmm. getting them to say something on audio we found is, is really difficult this is a big barrier there which is odd isn't it because isn't the sort of like the semi, the distance, the distance that you place yourself by going online is supposed to make you feel a bit less threatened, I would have thought, but it seems to seems to be the opposite. So mm -hmm. that, that to my mind is is one of the big things that, that's a barrier to the students and to the staff as well. And of course the staff react to that by, by treating that that panel, that Zoom panel as almost being you know secondary, because yeah. there's no real engagement. And that's mm. the thing, there's no engagement between from student to student and student to lecturer. Whether that's because of the traditional idea of I am here to learn for me to pass my exam, and they don't get it that you know the academic life is a social life. Yeah. And you know, you only actually really make progress when you start to you know rub corners with, with other people. Maybe there's a deeper problem, and that's not a high flex problem, it's, it's a general problem which we don't spot in the traditional mm -hmm. learning environment. You know, because we're happy. We, we've got a packed lecture theatre of smiling faces, listening, hanging on our words, and not aware that they're probably not actually listening and they're going to rip, forget everything and consider the fact that they're not actually getting the best education we can give them. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. You know, this is something we've found as we, as we developed online learning and, and high, our own version of high flex learning is, is it's bringing a lot of stuff out in the wash that probably were probably, not, it's not creative problems, is exposed problems because we're doing things in a much more transparent way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as uh, certainly in the UK, as people are returning to campus and, and starting modules and, uh, and so on for the first time, I think we should all, we'd all do well to keep in mind that first impressions really count and, and yeah. setting those expectations early on. Uh, that cameras will be on if, we, if we're doing uh, teaching in a, in a blended mode. And, and, you know, simple, simple things like calling people out at the beginning and saying, you know, OK, John, I can see you've got your camera off there. Let's let's see you. And convivial in a very friendly way. Yeah. Um, but that, just get that kind of engagement from the beginning. And, and that's that right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's happened in a historical context. And in the UK, what we're finding is now students are coming back who have had the last two years, effectively, the two, last two academic years, studying online. Do you know, I was wandering around a campus yesterday and two students came up to me and said, well, where can we find such and such a room? And I had my welcome to Queen Mary face on, you know, and then they explained to me actually we're second year students and this is our first time on campus. So it kind of like brought to me that it's new for everybody. So there are opportunities to tell the students this is, this is, this is normal, you know, this is this is a new environment and this is what we expect. So we can impose limitations. You're absolutely right. Yeah. For sure. So might be a sort of a, a expectations in terms of students we can adjust, but also expectations of, of staff too. So what, what do we expect or what do we see in terms of the challenges of, of using HyFlex uh, for, for staff? I think for staff, there are two things. The first one, which is, which is kind of obvious in a way, which is 
and anxiety about the technology, right? So yeah. you know how it is, especially if you're not a particularly not even experienced lecturer, because I still feel it. You walk into the lecture theatre for the first lecture of the, of, the, of the term and you worry that your slides are going to go wrong and what if the projector doesn't work and, and, and what if I drop my notes on the floor, all these kinds of things. And, there's anxiety. and that's just with things being normal. Yeah. What we found is that there's a, there's a very high level of anxiety amongst staff and students about just how it's going to work. But we've, you know, we've been reassured. What's reassuring is when they actually come in and press a few buttons and have a go. Say, well, actually, it's not that bad. Yeah. So, so that, that's easily allayed. Where I think it is more of a challenge is to be able to get the best out of the iFlex design. And to do that without having to say, oh dear, I've got to, you know, last year you told me I've got to move online and now you're telling me it's got to be iFlex. That's two redesigns entirely. Mm. Is, is finding a way which um, al allows staff with with a minimum of change if you like with a minimum of effort to still come up with something which is a good start a good first step towards mm -hmm. gold standard and just to reassure people that you're not going to you're not going to build rome in a day that you know identifying just one or two things you can do which will make it a better experience and simply simulcasting what you're doing yeah absolutely okay um and so we're you know, talking today is part of a series of webinars celebrating London Tech Week. So we should probably talk about the technology as well. Yeah. Um, how does technology or how is technology helping address some of the challenges that we've spoken about in terms of? Well, I, I, think, I think there are pluses and minuses, really. In my experience and the experience of others, we're, we're very excited by all the things you can do technologically with education and when you go around campuses, you talk to people, you find they're, they're, they're trying lots of new things. You know, someone will say, well, I use Google Slides and I, and I did this. Then someone will come up and say, well, I use Panopto or someone else. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting into trouble using brand names here, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so there's this big diversity, this big kind of like, um, radiation of possibilities that are occurring. Um, but what I think the technology, so the technology is opening up lots of different things you can try out. But I think where it's not quite catching up and where, where we need to have a bit more progress is for the te technology to become a bit less visible as technology. Mm. So, you know, at the moment, we've got cheat sheets, we've got um, instruction lists on how to get set up, which are an A4 size long. We're at that stage. Do you remember when video recorders first came out? Where am I showing my age now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember. Like, you know, and you had to have an instruction booklet, and nobody knew how to set it up, and you had to press all the buttons in the right order. And mm -hmm. now you say, Alexa, record the news at 10 for me tonight. Mm -hmm. And it, you don't even think about the technology anymore, do you? Yep. And, yep. and we need to get there with HyFlex. So it seems to me mm -hmm. we're not there yet. But you know, maybe we've got to go through this phase of lots of designs coming out you know again going back to the video analogy do you remember betamax and vhs i see, see that there you uh, may yeah, be so you, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you end up with you end up with lots of different alternative technologies and eventually one gains the dominance of the market and that's probably mm. a good thing because it means you end up with standards and i think we probably need some standards in, in the high flex um, and that's the technology. That that's the big technological change we want. Get get the technology doing its stuff without the lecture even knowing that it's there. That's a challenge I would put out to the high flex technology people. And and so that's 
you, is that what you think they should be kind of focusing on in the, in the coming years? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at Tesla, for example. The technology in a Tesla car is, is staggering. But mm-hmm. you take a PhD to drive one because everything is in the right place. And that, that's, that's good design. Um, whether we'll get there with high flex, whether that the only way to do that is to have out of the box solutions which cost hundreds of thousands of pounds, I don't know. But I, until that happens, there will always be a barrier, and there will always be an unnecessary threat to the the educator who's got a lot of cognitive load already. You're going in, you're trying to teach people, you've got the the knowledge that you're trying to impart, which is complex anyway. And you've got to remember all that. You've got to think, how do I get this knowledge into students' heads? That's enough to keep someone with a PhD and years of experience that their their RAM is already full. They think, oh, hang on, how do I connect the camera to the, you know, how do I move my teams onto the other screen? That's what got to go away. That's got to be off off their RAM, right? Yeah. That's where technology needs to go. Well, and we can talk about the, of the cognitive load for the for the lecturer or the the educator, but also, of course, the cognitive load of the students. And it's exactly. really important that, yeah. that, that those developing the technologies are really considering things like UX and well, or yeah. learner experience, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, you know, is the technology really easy to use, or am I, as a learner, yeah. wasting some of that cognitive yeah. load just on using using yeah. the technology? And I think also technology which makes it easier for group work. And I don't know what the solution is there, but in my experience, setting up breakout groups and all the platforms we use is fairly clunky, especially if you want to have um, preset groups and things like that. What you find, of course, is one platform does that very well. Another platform does the other thing very well. Hopefully, I mean, we are seeing it, you know, some people say Teams is catching up with Zoom. Some people say Zoom is catching up with Teams. That means there is a convergence. And so maybe, you know, de facto standards will emerge and you get the best of all worlds. Great. Okay. So for institutions looking to implement a high flex strategy or, or for those that already have, what are, are there any kind of common pitfalls that, that turn up when it's in, introduced or implemented? And is there anything that's kind of commonly misjudged? Yeah, I think you've got to be aware that um, exciting technology doesn't necessarily make for good education. Mm-hmm. It's to be driven by your educational goals. That's absolutely top priority. Impressing the students with lots of screens, you'll impress them for about five minutes and then they'll get used to it. And then what they care about is, what am I getting out of my education? Mm-hmm. They need to be able to see that they're getting that, preferably without saying, oh, HyFlex is great. Their focus is on the education, not on the technology. So that, I think that that's a common pitfall. And I wonder, I hinted that, at the beginning of our chat, didn't I, that, you know, some universities seem to be quite keen to impress you with with pictures of what they've installed. Where's the education behind it? What educational need is driving it? You've got the educational need, you've also got the the needs of the educators who would do a very difficult job and want to be able to do it without, you know, without having to retrain every time a new piece of kit comes in. So think about your students and think about your educators. Fantastic. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, and we're coming to the end. So just let's finish off by just exploring one more question. As we look to the, the future and uh, advances in technology, new innovations and so on, what changes in, in future technology could help educators, institutions, students using HyFlex? Well, 
I think enabling students to collaborate is really, really important. I, I do believe that engagement is the key to good education, uh, not just engagement with the content. I think we tend to do that quite well at, at higher education, but engagement with each other and learning to work with other people. And technology, which makes that easier. At the moment, technology is very individualistic. I don't know whether it's design, a design challenge, so it's simply what the way you the way it looks and the way you use it needs to change, or whether there are ways which make it easier for people to work together. So, for example, working on documents, things like Google Slides solve the problem nicely as a hack, but making it making it making the flow of ideas much much more that triangle between the educator, the online, and the face-to-face -face, making that much more natural and easy. If you can get, if the technology can make it so that walking around the classroom and having a chat with students is no easier, I should have put this the other way around, walking around online spaces in groups is no harder than walk, you know, walking around mm. lecture theatre. How do we do that? I have no idea. I'm sure it can be done. I think it's a combination of technology and design, to be honest. But yeah. if that's there, then I think we would have made a big progress because getting students to work together is good for their mental health, it makes mm -hmm. them productive, and it makes education much more engaging, I do believe. Absolutely. And I, yeah, absolutely agree with you. That's a design challenge as much as a technology challenge. I'm sure the technology is always already there. Brilliant. Okay, well, we will leave it there. Stephen, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. That's been a really rich discussion. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. And thank you to all those uh, who joined us today. Um, if you want to catch up with previous webinars, uh, they'll soon be available uh, through Curio's podcast platforms. Uh, reach out if you want any further details. Uh, I'm Rob Jack. I'm a learning designer at Curio. Thanks for listening.